Good morning. Man, I'm glad you're here as the lights come back up because I think you're there. I heard you. I didn't know if you slipped out during that video. Hey, today we're in part three, part four tonight, and we finished this series. And, you know, it's always sad, happy, sad that the Christmas season begins to kind of wind down. But, hey, we're right in anticipation of Christmas. And um, how many are excited about Christmas this year? Anybody? How many are excited about Christmas this year? Okay, man, I wish we had the kids in here. They'd be screaming, you know. I promise you, if we talked to Tiffany right now, she'd go, man, they are wired today. How many of you go ahead and make a confession for your soul? Have given your kids too much sugar this month? Yeah. How about every day, you know? It's like uh, my, my uh, oldest daughter, well, really both of them, they're very health conscious and eat really healthy and all that great stuff. And they're raising our grandkids with that uh, kind of uh, discipline. And uh, Pop tries to, tries to honor that, I really do. But, but then when it's Christmas, it's like, hey, y'all just take the brakes off a little bit. You know, we're, we're going to enjoy this sugar. Nothing like a little sugar treat for a kid and send them home. <laughs> it's called grandparenting. And all the grandparents said, and all the parents go, so you're not going to say anything ugly because they know we're really good to your kids because they're our kids. The, the passage today has been the same one for this series, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you got the Bible, you can look down there, or if not, you can look right here on your worship guides, right there in blue. And it's simple words, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's being Jesus. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, and I love this, I preached about it a few weeks ago. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, today, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, those are declarations of royalty of the King of kings and Lord of lords. I, I love that Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ, proclaimed this truth to us for this day, everlasting promises that were given that this would be a Messiah, this would be a Savior, and this he would come and he would fill the world and he would be a message of hope. You know, that's what Christmas is, hope. At this time of the year, so many people get filled with joy and with hope. At the same time, I know, as long as I've been a pastor, I watch that a lot of people get sick in the month of December. There seems to be a lot of deaths and sadness and separations and first this and first that. So I understand Christmas is that time of abundant joy and hope. It also can be a tough time as you go through this season. But when we look at the one is outside of ourselves, outside of our circumstances, we see here is 100% God, 100% man has come near in Emmanuel. It's called in seminary, they taught us this word, the hypostatic union. You don't need to know that, okay? But it's that union of God and man that weaves, that comes together and joins perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born a couple of thousand years ago for us. The infinite God becomes an infant. Already this morning, I was looking over there at Kelsey a minute ago, and she's holding little Charlie. And Charlie has the sweetest little lips and she's just, she's just crowned in all of her, her glory and her majesty. And she sleeps. And her mom goes, hallelujah. Because we know this will soon end. And she will get her vocal cords, won't she, Dad? Has she already developed her little vocal cords? And they're not very loud, are they? 
Yeah. Did, did you see her husband? Her husband went, no. He could sleep through a freight train, I think. Here we go. Okay. So here it is. The child, the infant. The, remember I told you the other day when we started this thing about Isaiah? He would call him the, the ancient of days, the one that has always been, always will be. And look right here on the outline. In the Hebrew, the phrase is literally the father of eternity instead of everlasting father. He'd be called the father of eternity. He is before, above, beyond time. He's the possessor of eternity because he is a father. And filled in, because he does what? He cares. I love that about Jesus. He, he cares profoundly for his people because he owns eternity. He therefore can give, filled in, eternal life. Jesus is, that's right, Doug. Amen. Eternal life. Man, that's what we're striving for. That is what we want. That is the gift of God. Eternal life in His Son. That is the gift that you do not stand in the exchange line and give back. I know you're saying, Pastor, give me hope today. Don't make me think about the day after Christmas when I return all that stuff. Isn't that fun? No, let me tell you what's not fun is to be the people that work in retail and they get to receive all these bought goods and you have an ugly attitude. What's worse is when they have an ugly attitude and you have an ugly attitude, it's called, almost named a store, it's called war. No, no, I'm not going to pick on Walmart this year. I picked on them enough. Just name some retail outlet. And I know you're going, no, it's not a problem for me because I do all my shopping with my fingers online and I will send it back Amazon free and I don't get out you know at Christmas I'm so grateful for Donna she shops and she's enjoyed that over the years I don't know if she enjoys it as much with everything going on with her mom right now but she does a great job of that and I have kind of limited shopping and yet I will get out there in the middle of it and of course I want to do you know some things for the kids and I love shopping for her and there's something about that I will kind of wait late and this week I began I began my shopping this week now I've completed it <laughs> some of you are like well I had and there's just something not joyful about all the craziness is at church when people, but yet there is a, a great time when people are filled with joy and anticipation and they have these things to sell you and, and, and their stores. I, I just thought about my friend a minute ago that just came in. Jan just has this atmosphere in her store. You name it, man. It, it's just, it, it's neat because she's a Christian. Christ shines forth from her. So you have shops that have good presence and you have other shops that like, they need some Christmas joy. And everybody said, so this afternoon, just, just thinking, if some of you still go out and shop, man, why don't you be the person that brings a little joy to that person that wants to get home, okay? So here it is. How is it that the Son of God is referred to as the everlasting Father? Now, that is really a mystery, and it seems kind of weird because you said there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the... Come on, this is not hard Christianity. Father, Son... Holy Spirit. We call him the Trinity. And Jesus is just as much God as the Holy Spirit and just as much God as the Father. And yet they're not the same. They're three distinct persons in the Godhead, and it's way over my pay grade, okay? But here's this union of God, and he, yet he's called Everlasting Father. Now, if you read Greek literature, and you know more about that day and, and the Jewish rabbis and about the Jewish people. They really assented. They leaned in toward, that's right, honey. They leaned in toward Father. And somebody that was a protector, that gave provision that was over, that was a kingly protector of his people, 
they would refer to that person as a father. And Jesus certainly is a protector. How many of you would say Jesus is a protector? Amen. So when you see everlasting father, it almost seems like, did Jesus become Abba? No. Jesus is still Jesus. He's still the Son. He's still the Savior. He's still the Redeemer. There's still Abba Father, and there's still the Holy Ghost. There's still the Holy Spirit. Yet these three persons come, and they show up, and we see them all in Scripture, and we see them in our lives. And the Son of God, He is this distinct uh, trinity that God has for us. Now, in the first birth, we come, when you study theology, we talk about having an Adamic nature. We talk about having the nature of Adam. And we have a first birth, and we're born into sin, and we have sin natures. And if you don't believe that, watch your kids, and they'll manifest sin, even as little kids, and, and we manifest sin. And then there's a second Adam, and the second Adam is who? Jesus Christ. And we're born again of the Spirit. We have the second Adam. And he's the Father. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Father that never quits. He never gives up. I'll build this case today, and you'll see more and more what I'm trying to say to you in a special way. But I want you to write a verse that's not on your outline today. I want you to write this down. This is a great passage. It comes from the Psalms. In the Psalm 103, verse 13, I want you to write down Psalm 103, verse 13. And I want you to listen to these words of King David. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I think in older translation, maybe the uh, King James would say, and God pities that person. He, he has compassion on them. I like it that our Heavenly Father is full of compassion, and he's full of grace, and he's full of mercy. And this morning, God, the Father, Abba, is calling you and me to draw near to him. Here the Son, the everlasting Father, he's calling us to draw near to his heart. He's compassionate. It's the outstanding quality of the Father, of the everlasting Father, of the everlasting Son, the eternal Son, the one of God. You think about it in your family. Don't you lo- aren't you drawn to those people in your family that have higher compassion quotients than other people? I mean, the ones that are kind of like short, curt, don't have time for you, cantankerous, just name a word. You know, you like them. Maybe they're your uncle, your aunt, your mom, your dad, your grandparent. I don't know. But the one, we all have them in our family. We have those people that have just high degrees of compassion. And we're drawn to them. In this Christmas season, I can go back decades and decades. And I remember a little woman that I've never talked about in 22 years here. Her name was Beatrice Nolan. Isn't that a great name? Beatrice. And my name for her was Bebat. And you're going, man, you were making fun of that woman. She was my grandmother. I loved this woman. And I would go, I didn't see her, but a couple times a year. And at Christmas time, I'd always get to go see and stay at my grandmother and grandfather's house. And I would, as I would go there, I can remember seeing Bebat. And I remember she had these things that she took out, and it fascinated me. They were called dentures. And she would take her teeth out, and she would put them on the nightstand beside her. And I just thought that was hilarious. My grandmother takes her teeth out. And then she had this thing. She always had a little cough. And she had these things that I I just thought about. They were called Ludden's Cough Drops. And she always had one. And you know, I was her favorite grandson. So I thought. She only had two, so I might as well be her favorite. And she would give me cough drops, and my folks never knew it. 
And man, this woman, she would do anything I wanted her to do. She was compassionate. She was loving. She was caring. She died when I was eight years old. Love that little woman. I just, just remembered her today. I was thinking about this compassion. And I think about how much more is the compassion of the Father. You know, we need compassion, don't we, all the time. And yet, I think about sometimes when we, uh, when we struggle, we talk, talk about this God, he's the God, he's the everlasting Father that has compassion, he cares for his people. You know, you go to the doctor and you get a bad doctor's report, you certainly love it if you have a caring medical community, a, a caring physician, a, a practitioner, a nurse, uh, the tech group, who, just somebody there. I mean, because I'm around hospitals so much as a pastor and with my own family, I just I, I admire great medical care. I told you just a few weeks ago I was in Tulsa with my brother for open heart surgery, and I was at a hospital, and I could not get over the spirit of that hospital. It wasn't a Christian hospital, but I met several volunteers from this church that I used to speak at back about 25 years ago, and they all went to this same church, and I kept seeing the Spirit of Christ, and these people kept showing up, and then I went over to the kitchen. Imagine that. And I went over there, and the ladies, you know, I was getting a tour. It's like a 300,000-square-foot facility. It was monster, and then the lady wanted to show me her kitchen. I thought about you, Vicki, except I thought, oh, my goodness, we, we could put our kitchen just it looked like a closet compared to that. It was, it was monstrous. And then she told me, she goes, you know, what I, you know what I did professionally? She goes, I'm a cardiac nurse. I said, what are you doing in here? She goes, I'm retired, but this is my first love, and I cook in here all the time. And she goes, I want you to know, Pastor, one time I got to try out my cardiac skills. So, Vicki, I want you to be practicing, okay? Yeah. And yet, I just, I just saw this spirit of Christ all through the hospital, and I just saw people caring. And then I think about uh, when, when we're struggling in some way, and we all, whenever we struggle, we always have a question. Doesn't anybody care? Don't you care, Mama? Dad, don't you care? Hey, boss, don't you care? Hey, brother, sister, don't you care? But we have to ask the big question. Jesus, don't you care? And the scriptures already declare that he's a compassionate father, that he has mercy on us, and he pities us. And I, I wrote right here across the middle. You might see, you might even circle it. The Christmas story communicates how much he cares. And because of that great care of the father in Jesus Christ, it produces joy. So this Christmas, we're gonna, you're going to get gifts or presents or whatever you're going to exchange. You're going to have a meal with somebody, and it's going to be a wonderful time, I pray, for all of us. But I pray more than that. I pray that the joy of the Christ, the joy of the Savior of the world, rises up in us and that we see what he has for us. You know, in Psalm 90, verse 2, listen to this. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, the psalmist said these words, You are God. And that's what I hope we focus on. I, I try to remind us every weekend, but today, as we come on this holy season, Lord, this season is about your excellent name. This season is about the Savior, the Lord of my life. My Redeemer lives. His name is Jesus. Every year about this time, I think about all my family that's preceded me in death. I think about all the wonderful people that I've served in this church for 22 years. And this Christmas, I look at glory and I think about David. David's home for Christmas. And I've often wondered, I can't wait for my first Christmas in heaven. Can you imagine? I mean, we make a big deal out of it here. I'm just wondering on the other side what it must be like. 
that those have just journeyed on before us for this Savior, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God of provision. He's a God of protection. He's a God of direction. Remember last week, he is a mighty God. Aren't you glad he's a mighty God? I'm glad it doesn't go. Everlasting Father, wonderful counselor, weak God, Prince of Peace. It's his mighty God. He's a mighty to save. He's a mighty to deliver. He's a mighty to provide. He's a mighty to comfort. He is mighty in every cause. And the church said, man, I love this. Nobody can fathom how great this God is. And this whole thing of the Jewish thing that I was telling you about, this fatherly figure, it was one that looked over with authority. So when you look at Jesus in that way, you go, certainly everlasting father is a good name for him because Jesus has authority and rule over our lives today, doesn't he, church? He better. He better have rule over his church. He better have rule over our life. We want eternal life in him. And there's three statements of promise that I've just put right there for you. Number one, we have an everlasting father. And I've been trying to declare that every way I know how, but he's an eternal father. He's a father forever. I love that he's, that, that's it. Just write it in the parenthesis. Not just eternal father, father forever. Sometimes if you just reverse words or you break them down, maybe because you just blow through it, you don't think about it, you go, this forever father. He's the one. This endless love projects from his heart. In uh, John 1.12, I love this verse. I've meditated on this verse for so many years. But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. One translation says, yet to all who have received him, who have believed in him, he gives the right. And that's, that's the bottom line today. Do you believe? I'm not just mental assent, not volition of the mind. Man, with all your being, you rest in, you trust in this Christ, this Holy One of Israel, this Holy One of Heaven, the infant that's come near and touched the ground and lived, and lived a perfect life. Man, I, I can't get excited enough about it. Look at the second one here. We have an everlasting Father. We have an everlasting family. I like that. When we're Christians, we're connected together. You know, I mean, in Christ... We have an eternal family. We have a family that will persevere through the ages, through all eternity. It will endure forever. And right now, if, we want, if I just ask you, write down three names of people you want to see in heaven. I bet somebody would go, I'm not stopping with three. I'm going to write a bunch. You Maybe even today, you might even just write names on, on your worship guide. Just people that you look forward to seeing in heaven. Of course, the number one is Jesus. I, I can't wait to see my Lord of glory. And I go through Old Testament and New Testament characters, and I get excited. But guys, it's coming up 50 years in February that I lost my mom in a fatal car accident. And believe me, friend, that is one that I want to behold. Amen? And my dad and my stepmom and my uncles and aunts. And my brothers and sisters in Christ that I've done life with and friends and others that will go. Man, those are the things of eternity. Eternity is always different when somebody dies. You just get a, a new little perspective on it because eternity grows. It grows with the people of heaven, of those that have trusted Christ, that Christ became real. This eternal, everlasting family of God. But look at the third one. We have an everlasting future. I like that as a Christ follower. My future is not live 70 years, 80 years, 30 years, whatever, die, put you in the ground, it's over. 
Man, we have a future. We have a future for the ages. We have a future forever. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, listen to this verse. That is what the scripture means when it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who like him. And love him. That's right, Gloria, thank you. Those that love him, he prepares a future for us. Is anybody thrilled about the hope of heaven today? Is anybody thrilled about the prospect of heaven? Amen. Somebody's like, no, you're not getting up a bus right now, are you? Like, are we fixing to check out right now? <laughs> well, I don't think so, but we might. But I just want to make sure you're ready. I mean, it's funny. When you talk about heaven, some people go, oh, I get excited. Some people are like, oh, I just want to wait. I just want to wait. I just want to wait. I just want to get married. I just want to finish high school. I just want to get a driver's license. Now, I just want you to stop and think about that for a minute. I just want to get a driver's license. I remember when I was 15, getting ready to be 16, driving was a cool thing, baby. I remember I couldn't wait. I bugged my dad every day that week. And then I woke up that one glorious celestial morning. And I turned 16 and went and got my license. And what's crazy is when you really think about it, then we turn people loose with multiple thousand of pounds cars with a kid in it driving. That's a little scary when you think about it. You, if you haven't experienced that, wait till you have kids and they become teenagers and they start driving. Your prayer life grows. Just write down. Let my kid get a driver's license, prayer life increases. I remember one day, one of my children, she'd only been gone 45 seconds. Phone rang. Dad, I need you. Car got a problem? No, but the neighbor's mailbox is sad, Dad. I took it out. She went two blocks from the house and took out a mailbox. And I go over there and I look at the Honda and it's all gnarly and bent up and the mailbox is just down. I'm going, glory to God, you know. Because it's just a mailbox. It's just a car. And I can tell you story after story of bushes and shrubs and cars, oh, excuse me, and things that we've taken out. That's just part of it. That's why I'm all for trucks. You know, we ought to get trucks. But I can't pick on her because you know what? I would tell that story and y'all would laugh. But your pastor is going to the eye doctor in a couple of weeks. I, I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And Donna, you, you know, how many of you hate it when your wife's right? See, she's not here today. Don't tell her I said this. But she's dead. She, April, don't you know. You work with her. But, I, but uh, she said, baby, you need to go to the eye doctor. I said, I don't want to go to the eye doctor. These glasses are fine. She goes, well, your depth perception is a little off. So a few weeks ago, I had three funerals, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And this one funeral I was doing, did the funeral, went to the graveside, came back, and they said, we want you to come back over, pastor, back over to the chapel. I said, okay. And I drive over, and there's cars everywhere. <laughs> and, and then there's this little opening. I thought, I can drive through there. And I pull up, and I promise you, I saw the curb just like this. And I pulled up. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, that God-forsaken sound. And I got out, and on the street, I had rubber grummets everywhere. And the bottom of my spoiler was all gnarled and all, what are you laughing about? i got to pay for it. And it's all beat up. And I went, man, And because I, I, I don't need to be so bad. I need to go to the eye doctor. I need to get, get my eyes checked. But I ran over there and I squashed it. So I drove as soon as I finished. And then I went back in and I had to have compassion on the family that I was serving. And I did. I'd been loving them for about several days. But i got to tell you, right then, I was conflicted. I was trying to have compassion in Jesus. And I was thinking, I just messed up my car. And uh, so I drove to the body shop and said, hey, help the boy. Hey, it's just, it's just, come here. Let's get down the ground and look at it. It's just right here. It's just messed up. It's not much, is it? And he smiled. When they smile at you, it's never good. Because he's going ching, 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 ching. Later, just put it this way, it's not cheap, okay? 
Why don't I tell you that story? Because I need help. <laughs> All right, let's move here. So the gift of the everlasting Father, he, he gives us an everlasting future. I love this. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. I'm glad Peter says that. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. If you're looking in your scripture right now, underline that. We live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. This is an eternal future that will never fade. And the church said, I'm grateful for that future. That future doesn't get messed up and need to go to the body shop. That future doesn't get messed up and it fades in 50 years or 80 years or 100 years. That future is eternal because of the everlasting Father. Now, when I, I preached many weeks ago about Father, so I'll just say this. When I say the word Father, what image comes to mind? For some of you, it's, it's a wonderful image. Your, your dad might be here with you this morning. Or you're going to see your dad this afternoon or tomorrow or next week, and you go, it's positive, Pastor. You go, he's my best friend, or we're close. I'm close to him. Amen. Some of you just thought about your father, and you, and you miss him. You could, you could shed a tear because... You were close to your dad. At the same time, there was in here that you weren't close. You were distant. Your dad was mean-spirited. He was distant. He was abusive. He was harsh. He was hard. I don't know all these reasons. I'm not here to beat up on dads. But what I do know is that we have an eternal father in heaven, an everlasting father here. So whatever emotion, we just want to turn it over to him. I like what um, was said that, uh, Pascal said one time, there's a human vacuum in everybody's heart. And that vacuum has to be filled. And what happens is in life, everybody's trying to fill the vacuum of their heart. They're, they're trying to fill the void with things, with stuff. And it never fits. The, the vacuum of our hearts was made, it was shaped for God himself to come and dwell in. And when we get filled with God, then life has meaning, it has purpose, it has joy, it has fulfillment. And you have peace. And until you fill the vacuum with the Father, you're spiritually dead. I remember it was at 19 years of age when I came to know Jesus Christ. And then that Christmas, oh man, that Christmas was glorious. I came to Christ in January 1978. So I, had, I just missed Christmas. The next Christmas, it was glorious. Two awesome things happened that Christmas. I was in love with my Savior and couldn't wait to worship and be a part of his kingdom and to tell everybody about him. And then there was this beautiful brown-eyed, brown-haired girl that I was in love with. And I thought we were going to get married. And we got engaged in January the next year, and we did. And I thought, man, this is good. How many of you? Think about, how many of you are thankful for your mate today? Don't raise, if you don't raise your hand, you're in trouble, okay? So anyway, I'm just thought, you know, try to help you. Okay, here, Christmas. That's right. So here's this visible image of an invisible God comes near in the person of Christ. Colossians, just listen to this. It's Colossians 1, 15 and following. Listen to the word of the Lord. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything else was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see, he made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. And everything was created through him and for him. And then verses 17 through 19, he gives us these verses. He existed before everything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the, the body. And he is the beginning. Supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. I love that passage from Colossians. Just a little different twist to think past the Christmas story and to think about how great and majestic and authoritative Jesus is, that he is the visible of the invisible God that cares. And Jeremiah says that he has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. It's not a plan to harm you, but it has a future and it has a hope. You know what I want you to think about for just a moment this morning? That's what Jesus gives you. He gives you a future and he gives you an eternal hope, a hope that will not die, a hope that will not be extinguished like a candle will be tonight. But it's a hope that'll rock. It's a hope that is stable and steadfast. It's a hope that you can attach your life to. And when you begin to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And right now in our families, we're walking these days with our sweet mother-in-law, and we don't know what tomorrow holds, and we, none of us do. We just know that we have today, and we celebrate today, and the church said, God is good. Amen. We praise him because we're people that have hope because of this resurrected Christ. Man, God, he created the cosmos and beyond. You know, this whole thing about fathers, I think about when I became a father. I was clueless. Didn't know what to do. Had never changed a diaper. Every woman wants to oh, I have changed my share. Thousands since then, okay? Probably thousands is not right. Hundreds and hundreds, okay? And I remember, what am I going to do this? I remember the first time Donna hands Rachel to me. I go, huh? Oh, I saw him. Don't know what to do with her, but she's mine. And she melted my heart. Then her sister came and she melted my heart again. You know what my greatest fear was when we had kids, when we had our second child? I loved my little girl so much. I didn't know if I could love another child. And you're going, that was dumb. It was dumb. One of the dumbest things I've ever done. Till I held her sister and God just expanded my heart. And I realized, wow. And you that have six and seven and eight kids, blessed be the name of the Lord. No, I don't think anybody has eight kids right here, but that'd be cool if you did. Uh, God just expands your heart. And I just love that our God has capacity that he loves the world, that he dies for the world. And he invites us to receive him, not to reject him, to come near. Completely trust in him. Protector. He's this everlasting father. Here it is. I'm going to mess some of you up. I'm not going to show it to you, but I'll, I'll tell you. Because for my, one of my son-in-laws, it's his favorite movie. It's not one of my favorites, but I do like it, and I think it's funny. I haven't watched it this season, but I probably should. The movie's called Elf. You ever seen the movie Elf? 
It's absolutely ridiculous, okay? And here it is, this awkward 30-year-old. How many of you would say awkward? Just turn to the person next to you and say awkward. And he raises an elf, and he finds out who his real dad is. Remember that in the movie? And he wants to interact with his dad as if he is a three-year-old, but he's really 30. It's just kind of ridiculous. But here's what I love. Hey, Dad, over here. What, buddy? Will you tuck me in? Can we have tuckle war? <laughs> no. And, 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 I, and, and you just watch the movie, and it's just this, this love of, of the son for his dad. It's just kind of a fun way of thinking about Christmas. I, mean, I don't think the celestial God's going to break out of heaven and say, y'all want to have tuckle wars. I mean, that would be awesome, but I don't think he will. But our, our Father, our everlasting God, he loves us with this incredible love that redeems and forgives and sustains and strengthens and gives grace and gives leadership and direction and gives happiness and fulfillment and peace and joy. And the, I mean, do you just love the songs of this season? Absolutely. Especially the ones that just magnify Jesus. Because he is our living hope here today and every day. He's the eternal father in Christ. Jesus, write this down, Jesus never fails us and Jesus never disappoints us. That's what I love about this father. See, I am a father. And I had a father. We all had fathers. And whether you knew him or not, and my father was a good dad and he failed me. And I have failed my kids. But what I do know about my heavenly father or this everlasting God that we're talking about this morning, Jesus, he never fails nor he disappoints. Or neither does he hurt us. He is for us. If God be for us, who can be? God is for you this morning. Maybe that's the truth that needs to ring in your heart today. God is for me. My life is tough. My situation is difficult. But God is for me. I have an everlasting future in him. His shoulders. The, the scripture says from Isaiah, and the government shall do what upon his shoulders? Rest. There's nothing sweeter than a child to rest on your shoulder. Now as a grandfather, I love holding my three grandkids. And little Finn being our youngest, to prop him right here and to lean him on that shoulder and him just look up at me and smile, and I smile back. Another night we had him, and he had an ear infection. It was up from 10.30 to 5, and I was not saying glory, glory. I was going, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have small kids at our house every day. But I had compassion on this child, and I wanted to fix it. And the next morning we go, you know, he's got double ear infection, get all that cleared up. And so he was over this week as we had Christmas together, and he was back with joy in his little eyes. And he just come over and just lay his head right there on my shoulder. And I said, come on, world. Can't nobody touch this boy. I got him. He rested on my shoulders. How ridiculous it is. Somebody could take me out like that. But the God, the Father, his shoulders are broad. His shoulders are strong. He's eternal for the ages. And he just wants his kids to come to him and crawl up in his lap and say, God, I love you. And some of you women are like, man, I love it. Imagery, man, I just love it. You told that to the pastor. I could just do it. And you men are going, a little, a little soft for me, pastor. I want a warrior God. Oh, we can talk about a warrior God next weekend, okay? Last weekend, that was it. Mighty God, today's everlasting father. Here, here's a great word. He's transcendent. 
through the ages. He transcends time and space and understanding. And as much as I, as I know about my God, and as much as I know Him, He still just transcends it and marvels. It just, I'm, I just, I don't even have words for it. I'm speechless. And somebody said, praise God. That's an answer for prayer. When you go speechless, not for long. But my God, He's limitless. He's everlasting. He wants us to run to Him. He's the here it is. Write this word down if you haven't got it today. This everlasting Father is the Father of eternity. He's the Father of eternity. The Lord Jesus. Lord, we need you. Abraham and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and all those, they, they would understand, they would refer to you as Father, everlasting Father. That's who you are, Jesus. In John 14, listen to these words. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father. It's sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? In the words that I speak to you, I do not speak my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. But I am the Father. He's a good Father. He wants to protect us, this everlasting Father, from evil. I bet this season you're probably praying for protection over your families. If you're not, you start. You're praying for their safety. You're praying they'd be protected from an evil world, from evil systems, from thoughts that would corrupt their minds and their spirits. And then, of course, if they're traveling, you're praying for protection for them. God, you're a God that protects. You're a God that provides. You're our provision, Lord. You are more than enough. And yet, sometimes we, we throw fits. Is it very attractive, parents, when your kids throw a temper tantrum in the store? No. Is it fun when they throw a tantrum in your house? Certainly not. Have you ever raised your voice? Don't answer that. But you know. And, you know, we do the same things with Abba. Sometimes we throw a fit. Now, we don't get out in the middle of the store and get on the floor and dance or scream, but we just show our immaturity sometimes. And God's trying to test us. He's trying to get us to go through a situation. He's trying to grow us. He wants us to be satisfied with him, this father of eternity, because he is the possessor of eternity as the father to his people. So in every way I can this morning, I'm just trying to get us to run back to the father, run into his arms and trust him because we need this exalted Christ, mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting Father. Tonight, I'll do it in about 12 minutes, we'll discover he's the Prince of Peace. But as we move through this, I just want you to think this morning about who Jesus really is. He's the God of authority and power. He's the God who created the world. He's the one who created humanity. He became flesh. He interrupted humanity. He gives us saving faith. And he promises us that we'll never be alone, that he'll never abandon us, and that he'll come back for us. Isn't that great? Have you ever told your kid, hey, now, I want you to know, mom, dad is coming back. And they go, okay, good. And I still remember this sight with my kids when they were little. I can remember riding up in the driveway and I see some little eyes looking through the blinds. Daddy's home. Oh, 
dude, that makes you want to go home early. That makes you just want to jump out of the truck or car and go running in there. Doesn't your wife do that for you every time, husbands, when you come home? Probably not. But those kids, they know dad's home. And I pray that today we will get just a glimpse of our everlasting father and we'll say, Father, I just want to know you better this Christmas. I want to know you with more joy in my heart. I want to be able to share something more than God loved the world that he gave his son. Because that, that is the gospel. Amen. But God, you're here for us. You forgive. You heal. You redeem. You crown. You satisfy. That's what I love about this everlasting father. He satisfies the soul. Some of you are going to get gifts this year. Maybe all of you. I hope you all do. And that gift will satisfy for a season. That bag will wear out. That shirt will go out of style or get a hole in it. The other day, we gave my grandson a remote control Paw Patrol deal. Oh, my goodness, Paw Patrol. I didn't know. I hadn't read about them in the scripture, but oh, my goodness, they're Paw Patrol crazy. And he gets this vehicle, and he's driving it. And the thing runs from zero to 80 like in one second. It's just, and then my son-in-law called me and said, hey, Dad. I said, yeah. He says, thanks for the toy. <laughs> I mean, I bought the toy. I bought the batteries for the toy. I'm like, what's he talking about? He says, man, he's doing amazing things to the walls. <laughs> and when I saw the video, I thought, I know what Jeremy needs for Christmas. A paintbrush. Because <laughs> I love to give, give gifts. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So it's all funny to y'all because you're thinking, <laughs> that's cute not cute if you're painting the walls over and over is it and finally a little man although guess what it lasted two days and the battery died and it sits in the corner to heaven okay yeah here we go yeah here we go so i'm satisfied are we satisfied with jesus this morning i hope we are here i'll tell you this story and i'm gonna get the team to come we've got a great song we're gonna close on this morning i, I love this it, i don't know if you're familiar with the blue star uh award the blue star mothers it was started back i think during world war ii and these women they worked in hospitals they packed gifts for people they worked in train stations uh kind of homeland security they were devoted and they would hang stars in their windows because their their sons or daughters were off at war and it was just an incredible movement you can read about it it's it's pretty fascinating but they hung the star out and when I think about this season, I think about God hung a star out one night and he directed them to a little village to find the Christ child. And these people would honor their sons and daughters as soldiers, and yet God honors his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as everlasting father, prince of peace. I just pray that somehow today, maybe you were encouraged, maybe you got some new joy in your heart, maybe... You're thinking about how I need to draw near to him today. But I get you to fill this in. I think I've got it on here. If you're confused, he is the wonderful counselor. Fill it in. If you are confused, he is the wonderful counselor. We talked about a few weeks ago. Go back and listen to the podcast. If you are weak, he is the mighty God. Oh, I love that because I'm weak. If you are scared, he's an everlasting father. I'm grateful for that. But if you are disturbed, he's the Prince of Peace. Let's draw near 
to this everlasting Father. Pray with me. Lord, we're grateful for this morning, for this service and the opportunity to gather in your presence with your children. And Lord, teach us to lean on you, everlasting Father. We need you. We need you desperately. Meet us where we are. May we meet with you. Lord, thank you for this next song, how powerful it is. God with us. Lord, you are good. And we bless the name of Jesus as we gather this Christmas Eve morning. And God's people said, amen.